The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's continue praying. Father in heaven, your, your word is clear in your commands and enticements to us to pray and to be a praying people. And I pray that, that well, I, I, I believe that one of the things that you're doing at Bethlehem these days, it's not just me, it's me and the elders and many of the people in this room and, and who are part of Bethlehem believe this. You are humbling us. And I know it's humble people that pray. It's desperate people that pray. It's children that pray. The proud, the arrogant, the I've got it all together. When we think like that, we don't pray. So I pray that that this be a season of humbling in which you birth people that praise all the more, all the more earnestly, all the more aware of our dependence on you, all the more children, utterly reliant on our heavenly Father. And so we pray, and we pray, and we pray. So make it so, Lord, in your great mercy and kindness and love and sovereignty And timing, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so what I want to do is encourage us to pray by doing two things. Just a brief reminder of what we've seen in the book of Acts. Just looking at the early church as an example. And then what I want to do is look at one of Jesus' teachings on prayer, and then I'll get out of the way and we'll go to prayer in clusters. You know, we've been in the book of Acts since last November, and as we've been going through together, one of the preeminent marks of the early church is that it is devoted to prayer. You know that. I'm going to read Acts 2.42 that says that, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread. So there's the fellowship, the breaking of bread. They're devoted. And they're devoted to the prayers. The prayers. And that means, as I understand that, that means gathering at certain prayer times to to pray together. Um, Written prayers, scripted prayers. The Psalms, and also, as we can see from the the book of Acts, gathering together to pray what the Lord has put on their hearts as they face their need. So, the early church is diligent in prayer, and and I have, I have, I just did a little survey, and I won't share the whole thing with you, but what do you think the church was doing when they, after Jesus' ascension, as they waited for the Holy Spirit to fall? They're praying. How about when they needed to appoint 
an apostle to replace Judas. What do they do? They prayed. How about when Peter and John were arrested and they were warned not to speak about Jesus anymore? Or else? The church prayed. How about when the ethnic conflict broke out in the church in Acts 6 and the, 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 um, the Greek widows were being overlooked and so, so this issue arose, hey, what about our widows, you Jewish apostles? You're not taking care of them. What did they do? It's interesting. It's, it's mentioned twice <laughs> how they prayed there. Uh, they, they, they prayed and then they prayerfully appointed the, the, the deacons, the prototype deacons to care for the widows. Um, in Acts 8, Peter prayed for the believers in Samaria and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And what do you think Paul did after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus? He got to Damascus and he, and he prayed. Peter went to the town of Joppa where Tabitha, this godly woman, had died, and what did he do before God raised her from the dead? Acts 9. Acts 10. Cornelius, this Roman soldier, this God-fearer, is praying continually before God, and God sends Peter to bring the gospel to him, and what do you think Peter's doing when God taps him on the shoulder and tells him to go talk to Cornelius? He's praying. I mean, it's just laced through the book of Acts. Uh, when Peter was arrested, we, we looked at this a few weeks ago after the execution of James. He's in jail. The church is praying. And God sends an angel to walk him out of the jail. And then, last week in Acts 13, the church in Antioch, these, these leaders in Antioch are praying and and God speaks, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. And the global missions work begins. And Paul preaches that first sermon where the gospel is going to the Gentiles and the Gentiles rejoice. Comes out of a prayer meeting in, in Antioch. Well, that's the encouragement from Acts an example for us. Like, God, make us to be a praying people, a dependent people who call upon you in all of our troubles, in all of our needs, in all of our situations, because we know, as Jesus taught us, apart from you, we can do nothing. So that's encouragement number one. Here's encouragement number two. You know, why do you think the church prayed like that? It's because Jesus taught the church to pray like that. Um, you know, there's so much here. When you pray, you don't pray long, ostentatious prayers thinking you'll be heard for your many words, but pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's Jesus. Pray humbly. Don't pray, God, I'm thankful I'm not like other people. Pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus taught to pray in his name. To pray in his name. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask 
of the Father in my name, it will be given you. And, and Jesus linked the reality of our forgiveness, of our receiving forgiveness from the Father by the grace of the gospel with our showing forgiveness to other people in prayer, Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So he embeds in the Lord's Prayer the link between our faith in God, the reality of our faith in God, and the showing of our faith in God as we forgive others as we have received forgiveness from God. Jesus has a lot to say about prayer, but here's, I'm not going to all those other places. I'm just going to Matthew 7. Would you turn to Matthew 7? Turn to Matthew 7. I think this is a good place to camp out on for the next 10 minutes or so. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So before we gather in prayer groups, let me briefly point out three things from this text to remember as we grow in prayer as we go into our clusters. Number one, remember that God is your Father. I mean, this is so core to Christianity and, and Christian prayers. I actually have an irritation and, and I'm probably overreactive. When, when, when I hear a persistent flow of generic God, thank you for this day. In your name, amen. It strikes me as not Christian. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Ask your Father. Jesus is burning in this vision that God is your Father. Pray to your Father. It's a grace of the gospel to, to all who receive Christ. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God is our father. And, and, and therefore, we are his children. That frames our approach when we pray. <laughs> Jesus, in, in, uh, in Matthew seven eleven, he says, Look, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I mean, even the best of human fathers are sinful and give good gifts to their children. And so here, here the argument is, all the more your perfect, loving, wise, sovereign, good, 
Heavenly Father will, good gi- will give good gifts to his children. He will count on it. That's number one. Remember, God is your father. And go to him as a child. Number two, remember that God answers his children. It's not just this static, okay, I'm a child of God, period. (laughs) It's like, no, I'm a child of God. God is my father. I'm going to go to God, my father. And he answers. Verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. The promise here is for every one of the children of God. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, it will be opened. It's the grace of the gospel. God, God responds in love and in his wisdom and in his sovereignty and in his timing to the prayers of his children. It is his bent. It is his inclination to answer. So number one, remember, God is your father. Number two, you, you're his child and God answers his children. He answers. And number three, so therefore remember, ask, seek, Knock. They're, they're imperatives. They're commands. They're commands. And you know, I don't know how you hear commands, but, but the commands of the Bible land on me as these incentivized commands. You know, they're, they're incentivized. Do this for your good. I, you know, when I, when I came across the word ask, I thought, I thought of my own dad. My, my dad was a great dad. He was an evil dad, according to Jesus. You know, he was not a perfect dad. But I'm telling you, he would say, if you need anything, let me know. Ask. Ask. Over and over again. My dad gave good gifts to me as a son. He didn't do that for everybody. He did it for his children. How much more Will God respond when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock? You know, it's, God does not want us to wallow in our need. He does not want us to act like unbelievers in our, in our situations in life. He does not want us to act as orphans or abandoned children. He wants us to ask and to seek and to knock, to to ask God for what we need, to seek God for what we're looking for, to to knock. You know, I thought about this, knock and the door will be open. You know, these are so wide open in the call to prayer. (laughs) You know, ask. Ask for what? Ask. (laughs) Seek. Seek what? Seek. (laughs) Knock. I thought, so I wonder if the image in Jesus' mind, and, and sure, I 
he wouldn't object to this because the calls are so broad. I wonder if, if the door is closed and I'm feeling trapped and locked in. And the prayer is, Lord, open the door. Knocking will be opened. Or I wonder if it's the other way where the, the good or the grace is on the other side. And I, Lord, bring your grace in. Bring your presence in. Bring your power in. Bring your will in. I don't know. But they both work. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Well, so we're going to pray in clusters. And uh, when I, after I pray, break up into groups of three, five, you can figure it out. Just cluster in your pew, turn around if you have to. Lean forward, move if you have to. I'm trying to find somebody who's all alone. I don't see anybody way all alone. But uh, cluster, our, our hope is that this will be a time when you pray together with each other. And be inspired by the example of the early church, praying and praying and praying in every situation, both corporate and individual. And praise God. Remember that he is your father and you are his child by the grace of the gospel. And remember that God answers all of your prayers. Why do I always ask in his wisdom? Because he's our father and he won't give us razor blades when we ask for razor blades, but he will give us what is good. He will answer in his wisdom he will answer in his sovereignty. He, he, he is, he's sovereign over everything. He's not unable to answer. He will answer in his love. He loves his children and has demonstrated his love for us in that Christ died for us. And the last one I want to remind you of, about asking your father and he will answer according to his wisdom and his sovereignty and his love and his timing. I think sometimes we break off prayer and take things into our own hands because we lose patience with God and his timing. Hence, the Bible calls us over and over again to wait on the Lord, to wait. Don't act like an unbeliever. Don't act like we haven't prayed. But, you know, the parable of the persistent widow, Jesus tells it. He says, he, he, says he, he, he teaches this parable in order that we would keep on praying and not give up. In other words, you pray, Lord, do this. It doesn't happen. Don't act like an unbeliever. Don't act like an orphan. Keep on praying. Trust his timing. Remain in faith, wait on the Lord, and wait for him to open the door. Grant what you seek. Well, so I'm going to pray and then break into clusters, please. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your word and all these, this lavish grace all over the Bible, 
all over the teachings of Jesus to call us to be a humble, dependent, childlike, praying people. And so I pray in all the brokenness of our lives, in the brokenness of our personal lives, our families, our church, our world, that you, you humble us under your mighty hand and grant that we would pray now, asking, seeking, and knocking. And I pray these things to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.